Hey, how's it going? I'm Nick, the host of the Echo Academy podcast, a podcast where we share with you the tools and strategies that make life better. In today's episode, we speak with Beatrix Adair. Beatrix is a certified transformational coach and trainer based in Singapore. Since this series is all about the road less traveled, in this episode, Beatrix shares her story about growing up in Hungary, witnessing the fall of the Berlin Wall, moving to China, and then to Singapore. I hope you enjoy it. I think the the truth is many of us have an a, a story of adventure within our lives but we because we don't define it as such we mm. we, we kind of say like oh maybe my story is not worth telling yeah. but in reality you know you, you you never know I think we all have adventures yes it's uh you know we all have experiences of um of discomfort uh and and in the end when when you go into these these uh experiences that are new to you so necessarily to some degree uh uncomfortable that is an adventure so your first day at school is an adventure um learning a new language is an adventure embarking in a new relationship is an adventure <laughs> yeah exactly and i think that you're right that's a good spirit or good attitude to have towards anything you do in life right because after all i mean life is essentially an adventure because you're just discovering things along the way and through that discovery you kind of you kind of see what you like what you don't like you know what you think is worth your time and stuff so i think that's a good attitude you're right i never thought of it that way <laughs> Well, and if it's not an adventure, it means that you're playing safe. So it means that you remain in this uh, this comfort zone where you know how things work and and you're competent. Um, yeah. And then you miss the learning. Yeah, right? that's true. Because whenever you grow, it means you must go out of the zone where you're confident and competent in. Yeah. And it doesn't even it almost doesn't even matter how big or small the the adventure is, right? It's just more like getting out of your comfort zone and growing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I'd be interested to cuz you know you you spoke a little bit about your background and uh you know I've only really learned it um from history books uh because it was part of our curriculum, but you grew up you know during the tail that tail end of the cold war mm. you know what was that experience like and what was it like to to see you know the falling of the berlin wall it must have been uh, quite an occasion yeah it's um so i was born in hungary um um in in the 80s and um and so hungary referred and, and many of these countries referred to themselves as socialist countries they didn't say communist they said uh socialist and communism was rather light in hungary so it means that uh, education had a very high level there was guaranteed employment um healthcare uh was for free 
1956, there was also a revolution um, in Hungary, after which some reforms uh, were introduced. And that gave people a relative um, high standard of living and relative uh, cultural freedom. So these were um, deviations from the, the really strong Marxist-Leninist uh, system. And actually in Hungary and, and the Eastern Bloc, uh, this was referred to as goulash communism. Goulash is a, is a national dish in Hungary. And, and so goulash communism is a metaphor that as long as you did not confront the government, you could fill your belly and have a comfortable life. Wow. Okay. So it, it, it sounds like it, it sounds like it wasn't bad at all. It sounds like it was a pretty, well, I mean, I don't know if that's accurate of socialism in general, but it sounds like it was a pretty middle-class affordable lifestyle that you could have for yourself. Well, some. It's, uh, it doesn't exclude that there were also um, other realities and, and you also had um, other elements of, of communist systems such as um, flexible morals, under-the-table deals, um, a system of privileges um, enjoyed by some who had more power and connections. And I think it was, again, if you confronted the system, so if you were an intellectual, a journalist, um, an artist, um, or even, you know, like a university teacher and then sharing your um, different ideas, that could become very uncomfortable and dangerous. So it was very common that people, that was more the generation of my grandparents, taught their children, like, don't talk about things don't openly share your ideas it, it can become risky yeah did you did you feel that way growing up or were you were you were you afraid of speaking your mind and 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 going and going against the grain so to speak i think i was a little bit in between so somehow to some extent yes because kids uh, feel and learn a lot through implicit messages, um, through their families and through society in which they live in. And somehow I was, of course, also different because it was uh, a different generation. Um, and we moved quite early to West Berlin, then West Berlin. Um, and that changed um, a lot of things. Um, we went with the work of my father. So it was all regulated. It was not uh, seeking asylum or, or escaping like some people have done it. Yeah. And you asked earlier about the, the falling of the, the Berlin uh, Wall. So that was in uh, late uh, November um, 89. And by that time, I have lived for three years already with my family in, um, in West Berlin. And actually, I do remember that evening that people were just surprised and it was doubting like, no, this cannot be true. There was disbelief. There was wonder, uh, astonishment, um, a lot of confusion. Um, people were heading into the streets to, to, to check with their own eyes if, if it's true. <laughs> because the Iron Curtain, so 
what we refer to as the, the limit between the Eastern Bloc and the Western Bloc was considered um, impregnable. And now there were news that the Berlin Wall is falling and people are standing on the wall with their hammers and, and with their own hands opening uh, the wall. And so this was really symbolic. I think it was maybe the biggest event or one of the biggest events of the 20th century. And what's remarkable that it has been achieved peacefully and in celebration. And not only did it uh, unite uh, a city um, and a country, it really ended the era that has shaped many countries in Europe and actually even across Europe or, or um, in other parts of the world and, um, and two generations. What? So that was, I think I understood the meaning of this only much later, that it was really a, a, a moment of, of history. Um, and I think I'm still really touched that Hungary, the country where I was born in, played a, a major role in, in the first step, in opening the borders. And, and that's led that uh, people from East Germany um, could go to um, Austria. And so one thing led to the other, and the Berlin Wall fell. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny you brought that up because that was going to be my next question, which was like, were you able to appreciate the magnitude? But I guess you know, it was only years later did you kind of did it no. really sink in. Uh, so at that moment, when ninth uh, of November and the days uh, afterwards in eighty nine, number one, I was nine years old, so you see and understand things in a different way yeah and i was um i think less touched personally or less impacted because um i could go back to hungary so even the first years when we lived in in west berlin uh school holidays we always went back to hungary so i could see my family my family was not uh separated um and I think that changes uh, a lot. I think it was uh, probably different for um, German kids in Germany um, who could not see parts of their family because they have been living um, at the other side of the world. Yeah. Wow. So post, post this experience, after this experience, you had quite a bit of travel. Um, maybe before I ask... Um, the the following questions or the subsequent questions it'll be good to kind of uh you know maybe summarize what was your what was your journey to all the way to singapore and then we can kind of explore each <laughs> moment <laughs> yeah i i went to live in a few countries so it's i spent my childhood mainly in in berlin uh, i finished my school years in berlin uh, west berlin and then uh, unified uh, berlin um, and after that, I went to France um, to study there. And right after my studies, I moved to China. Um, and that's where I have started my professional life. And I spent six years in Shanghai. Um, and then um, in 2000, sorry, yeah, 2011, I moved uh, to Singapore. Um, and it just happened that we, we created a family here. And that was also the, the intention. So that's why we, we wanted to move to Singapore. So, so yes, before age 30, it has been, I have been living in five countries, five quite distinct um, cultures. And 
each time it was not um, moving for an employer or for uh, you know these expat stints, but it was moving for longer periods of time um, out of uh, own decision and then yeah. really immersing myself in the culture, learning the language, getting to know the people um, and so forth. Yeah, and and that's something I'm really curious about. You know, um, as when you move to 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 Berlin and maybe even France, you know, these were decisions taken together with your family, and then your decision. No, to, not France. Not France. France no. was your decision. Just okay. Berlin. Yeah. So just so so Berlin, right? And and then the subsequent decisions were made entirely on your own terms. Yeah. Is there a difference in the way you felt when the decision was not yours versus the decision that was yours? I mean, is does the same feelings uh, enter or were there different feelings? It's very different. So uh, I think, you know, we all have some basic human needs and uh, autonomy, uh, competence and relatedness are among these fundamental needs. And when we moved to Berlin, um, even though I was just six years old, um, it was not my choice. And it was a huge cultural shock. I was suddenly living um, in a country where um, I did not speak the language. I did not understand the social norms and you know, how, what are the accepted or uh, behaviors. Um, I had only my immediate family, but not relatives um, and friends. And um, my social status has also changed. So in, in Hungary, I was among the majority. I was in the upper middle class and enjoying the privileges that go with that. And then moving to uh, Germany, West Berlin at that time, I was suddenly uh, a minority. Um, and I had uh, myself and my family very different, um, well, power um, opportunities and status um, as uh, the local people yeah and and if we reference China because I would assume that uh, when you moved there it was kind of similar in the sense that it was probably a cultural shock the language I, I'm assuming you you, you didn't know um, ne your network there probably wasn't strong. How, how did you feel about that move and and how did you kind of adapt to such a different environment? Yeah, so moving to China was also a little bit like moving to a different planet. Uh, <laughs> and no, I did not speak the language before. I have never been to China before. Um, and um, And actually many things in my life were in a very early and hence also fragile. Uh, state. So, um, so I knew that that moving there it will be difficult, and and I think well I, I was still interested, and and I think I need to give a little bit of context here that I did not move again for an employer or for my studies. It was um, I have met my today husband then boyfriend in uh, Paris, who used to live in Shanghai before. And he wanted to go back um, and asked me if I would want to go with him. And so we both knew that this would be sort of a, a fast track 
for the relationship to, to see if, if we are a good fit because we have never lived together in uh, Paris. We have only known each other in, you know, dating for a few months. And um, so I knew that at least in the beginning, without a job, without my own circle of friends, without speaking the language, I will be quite vulnerable. Um, and um, well, I guess we accepted the risk. <laughs> so, <laughs> We accepted the risk, and um, and well, seventeen years forward, it turns out that um, he's my husband, and and we have two uh, wonderful and exuberant kids. So I guess it was a good decision. But so, how did I take the decision? I think in in these big uh, questions in life, we like to think you, know, you have to be fully analytical and rational, but you cannot be. Um, because you cannot think of all the possibilities and and uh, opportunities and risks that you you will have with the decision that you're going to take. So I think you have to tap into something more holistic and be aligned between the head and the heart. Because that's, even if things turn out in a different way than planned, um, you still know why you have made that choice. Yeah, and then it's much easier to to accept it and live with it. Yeah, and and you mentioned making a decision with your head and heart. What did that look like for you when you moved to China? What was talk us through that? How you came to that decision using both your head and your heart? Um, I think when you're aligned between the head and the heart, it's um, you feel more peaceful. Um, and there is no guarantee of what's going to come, but you know why you're ready to take that path. So that's, that's what I, uh, refer to. And, um, and so in my case, moving to China, partly that was the curiosity about China because, well, you know, China was uh, coming as an economic power and it's, it's a huge country. They have a, an amazing culture. And in Western media, you tend to read uh, very one-sided uh, stories about China, especially 10 years or more than 10 years back. So I guess there was a certain curiosity to, to build my own view um, and experience China. But then, of course, it was giving uh, this relationship a chance to to maybe deepen, and that luckily worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the risk paid off for you. <laughs> That's awesome. What how 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 is it like to adapt to new environments and cultures? Um, what 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 has your experience been been like? Well, it's both exciting and uncomfortable um, because you. So when you live extended periods of time in outside of your own environment, um, it sort of pushes you to, to self-reflect, but also to, to self-confront and, and self-align. So really, what is important and what matters? Um, and I think these experiences are really um, important. Um, because you learn a, a lot about where you live, where you have moved, but also about your yourself. Yeah. How, 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 how did you get comfortable during that process? Was it just a, 
just the process of time that you eventually got comfortable or did you have to do certain things intentionally to be comfortable in, in, in a new environment or through those different changes? So I think you have to be um, very deliberate um, and the more you go for the experience, uh, the faster and the easier it can get and the deeper you go. Uh, because you, you, you can also go to a new country and then just ignore everything and, and remain in, in your little bubble and meet only people who come from your country and speak your own language. And then it's a bit like surviving the, um, the, the ex expatriation or, or immigration or living in, in that country. Um, so I have learned in each country the, the local language. Um, to well except china um that was a what i call a limited proficient uh, working <laughs> but all the other languages to to a fluent um level yeah and that helps a lot partly to communicate uh with people uh to be empowered that you you are more free to to move around um and in some countries this is really important it's um it's not in every country that people will speak um, English. So that helps a lot. Meeting people, um, learning about the country, which you can do beforehand. And now as technology is more available, it also makes it more easy. So even before you arrive in a country, you can read up on the history, the culture, the attitudes, the, um, those things. You can reach out through social media to people to have at least the first few contacts um and then step by step you 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 can integrate <laughs> yeah I, I i can i can relate to that and it, it also took me a while because i i spent about six or seven months in ecuador and at first it was very easy to not integrate because the the people or 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 the people who connected with me first were people who wanted to learn english and so i never really had the opportunity to learn Spanish, right? Because every time I spoke, they wanted to improve their English rather than me wanting to improve the Spanish. And so over time I got comfortable, but I also wanted to explore a different side. And 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 so when I ventured out to space places where they only spoke Spanish. I think over time, I, I learned to be comfortable in that awkwardness of that interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, them speaking Spanish, me just using hand gestures, just trying to figure it out. And I, I think that's one thing that I've learned, you know, that it's through this discomfort, through this awkwardness, you realize that it really isn't that bad, you know. You, mm -hmm. you can... It, it, the 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 awkwardness and the discomfort will be there but it doesn't change the interaction it's still genuine but because i went out i went to meet the people rather than have them come to me mm. my opportunities to experience new things increased and yeah. i think that's that's kind of what i've what i've learned through that process as well yes so i think yeah when when you go outside and living in, in different countries it's um i think you connect more with people uh you recognize that however different we we might be or appear to be uh 
in the end, we're actually very similar. We experience life through the same feelings. Um, we have, um, if we boil it down, the same human basic needs uh, that we, we want. And so when you recognize this, this common humanity, um, I think it gives you compassion towards others, um, but of, of course also towards yourself. And, um, and I think we, we need a little bit more compassion in this world. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, and it's interesting because when, and I'm sure you've experienced that, and I, I'm, I'm curious as well if that happened to you. But when I, when, when, when I spend that time in South America, what I realized was how limited my, my beliefs are and how limited, mm. how limited I have, how much limitations I've put on myself because of the ideologies that I've grown up with. And I'm curious if you've experienced that as well. Yeah. Um, well, when you live um, in a different country, I think you get also like a bird view um, on, on your own country and on your own culture. So you suddenly th see things from the outside um, and you recognize dynamics that you might not have seen before because you were swimming like a fish in that water and that was the norm, that was your standard. Um, and then you see living in a different country that the same things can be done in different ways. Uh, you can have one question and different solutions to the question and and there is not one solution that is right or the only one that is correct. And um, so, yes, you do recognize things in your own culture. And I think it also gives you a little bit more freedom. Um, when you live in your own country, in your own culture, in your own community, there are a lot more um, expectations and more pressure on you, how you're supposed to behave, how you should be living your life, um, what um, job you're supposed to do, what time you're supposed to be married and, and yeah. are you supposed to have kids and how are you supposed to, to um, bring up your kids and how, how are you supposed to live your life? Yeah. When you move outside of your community, then all this falls uh, away and that gives you freedom to, to march to your own drum. Yeah. Uh, what was one freedom that you enjoyed? If you could name just one, what was one freedom you enjoyed when you experienced that change in 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 that philosophy? I suppose. Well, it's a hard question because it takes years. Uh, it's it's not things that you you live in a different country and then suddenly you yeah. <laughs> You have some light bulb going up. Um, I think it's it was really um, living life on my own terms, uh, according to my own values, and not according to uh, hopes, expectations, or pressures of uh, my family, my country, uh, and and the norms that uh, prevailed there. Yeah, that was a huge freedom. Yeah, I, <laughs> Beatrix, I can really uh, 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 relate to that because it was funny. I, um, that's my personal belief as well, and and it was something that 
I I learned from my trip to South America as well because in 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 Ecuador at least the Quechuan people they had a a great term for it which is called la chuya vida which basically means what you said right live yeah. life on your terms so so I think I I think that's 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 a really important thing to as we grow older to appreciate about ourselves like. Mm. Uh, you know all the 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 stories and philosophies that we we subscribe to we also deserve to give ourselves the chance to unsubscribe to them yeah. and to live life as we experience it and to try new things and i suppose over time discover who we can be yes yes definitely um I think also when when you experience a few cultures, and again, I don't think you can do that in in short holidays, in because in two two three weeks you will brush uh, the surface. Um, so you really have to dive into it, um, and over time you recognize that there are certain elements uh, that are uh, making up uh, society and culture, and they can be different and practiced in very different ways. So you see, for example, uh, power and responsibility um, or um, identity. Um, are we more individualistic or uh, collective? Um, what's the purpose of the individual? Um, how do we uh, communicate uh, with each other? How do we define um, time and space and boundaries. So these are all the building blocks of, of different cultures. And with some experience, you, you get faster in recognizing them. And that helps you to, to behave in a way that facilitates relationships. Yeah. What, across, across all of these experiences, right? What, what did these experiences teach you about yourself and life in general since we were, we're speaking briefly about this now? Mm. Well, I think it's, it's uh, about two types of experiences that we, we all have in our life. And, and I would call them the, the adventure or the uncommon experiences. You have uh, diversity experiences and adversity experiences. So by diversity, I mean when you move to um, a new country or you change uh, jobs and, and your function or um, you start working for a new company. Okay, so these are diversity experiences. Adversity is uh, all types of difficulties, difficulties in relationships um, or having different outcomes in projects or in life than what was planned for, um, going through illness or accident, uh, losing faith in a system. So these are all adverse experiences, but they all put pressure um, on the person. So it's, it's a bit of a crucible. Yeah, and that means that you can grow. Uh, I think we all need pressure and and friction to <laughs> to grow, and and so these experiences can help. Now, what you can learn, you asked, it's for sure uh, tolerance and flexibility, um, resilience, uh, learning agility, um, emotional intelligence. 
um, knowing yourself uh, and others uh, better and hopefully being uh, a bridge builder of, um, of being flexible, of knowing how you function, how others function, and how can you uh, cross uh, that and, and, uh, and build bridges. Yeah, I really like the uh, diversity and adversity analogy. Was this something you came up with along the way or something you learned through this process? Well, I, I read a lot. It's because it's, it's also the area of my, my work uh, of inclusive leadership. And, and I'm fascinated by culture, not just in the sense of, of traveling to countries and, and uh, learning about, you know, the architecture and the food and the people, but uh, how culture uh, shapes uh, our belief systems and these filters through which we see the world. So that's, uh, that's quite a heavy influence in my coaching of, of uh, bringing awareness uh, to this and then maybe opening these filters up to, to expand uh, the view. Yeah. Wow. So if, if I could delve into the work that you do, how, how do you help people open up their way of thinking? Um, do you have some advice around that? The coaching is based on questions. Yes. So it's, uh, it's um, curiosity, it's building a level of trust. Um, and, and it has to be a, a mix of, of this trust and acceptance. And then again, pushing someone out of their comfort zone and invite them to to see things and and try things in a way that they haven't done before. Yeah. Because if you only ask questions and if it's if it's always just understanding and accepting then then there is no growth, right? Yeah. Then it's it's just a soul massage. So there has to be also this um attention and that's very um I think intuitive. Uh, there are moments when, when a client will need a little bit more acceptance and support. And then there are moments when you, you know that, okay, you can, you can push and pull them a little bit more because they're able to stretch. Yeah. And, and if we, we put coaching aside, uh, maybe through your experiences alone, what advice would you give to, for, to help at least help people think about what it means to to open yourself up to new perspectives and to new experiences and adventures. Well, if I have to to reduce it into one thing, it I think it would be the yes and way of thinking. So don't don't think in either or, um, but just yes and, and that there are many. Um, solutions many perspectives and they each um, are right in their own way and context um, and so look look at it in in this bridge building uh, perspective and 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 look for the the commonalities um, the the things that we share with uh, other people awesome that's great advice uh, i i, I want to um, uh put you on the spot a little for the last question which is um uh i i mean i for for this series i wasn't intending to ask this question but it's a, it's a very powerful question because i've got really great at like thoughts from my guests from previous episodes 
And and that question is, what is one life lesson that has taken you the longest to learn? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's recognizing uh, transgenerational patterns and changing them. And that comes back to, to this culture, uh, not just uh, the culture of the country where we come from, but, you know, the subcultures of, of your community, of your family. Um, and this is how we do things. And are they serving you? And are they serving others in your choices and actions? Um, and that, that requires really of, uh, again, zooming out, observing it. Um, and again, I, I want to call on the compassion. Um, so when we recognize that something is not serving anymore or maybe has not been serving for years, um, I don't want to reject those things because they had their place, right? So it's, it's really about um, in a sort recognizing how they have helped, uh, sometimes in very strange ways, um, and how it's time to to go on and change uh, to, to something new. Because only when we recognize these, these transgenerational patterns can we go to, to the root cause um, of things and, and belief systems. Yeah, that's actually very powerful. And, and as you say that, I, I'm relating to it as well. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, transgeneral um, conflicts that I've that I've had with 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 both myself and and just the the idea itself was especially within the family was always like the topic of religion. But I think what you what you what you say is 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 true, right? To I mean, I used to to say like it has no place, but I think what a, a more a healthier way of doing it, as you suggested, is to appreciate that it had its time and its place, and that if it doesn't serve you or me or whoever, then is to kind of find new ways to to adapt to the life that you are living now. Yeah. I see these these difficult experiences or habits or feelings uh, like you know like toddlers uh, who who want to get your attention and the more you dismiss them, the more you um, ignore them and and don't want them, the louder they scream. Mm. But when you say okay, hey, <laughs> it's, uh, what's up, and 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 you. Well, you accept them and, and welcome them. So not just accepting, but really welcoming them. And welcoming doesn't mean that you agree with it or that you approve of it or that you will continue doing whatever um, you're thinking of. But it just means that you, you accept it, welcome it, and that's how you integrate it into your whole life story and, and your uh, personality. Yeah, that's so true. Well, Beatrice, this this has been an absolute pleasure. But be before we go, maybe um, I'd like to give you some time to share with uh, with the listeners what you do, and if you know they are interested to reach out to you, how they can do so. Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, so I do leadership coaching, and my focus area is inclusive leadership um, because the workforce uh, is becoming more and more diverse. Um, 
and the people that companies need to interact with, um, including their customers and suppliers. And through technology, we're really interconnected. So I think it is crucial to be able to effectively collaborate with people who are different from us, uh, be it in their gender, uh, race, generation, or their ways of thinking. Um, so that's that's uh, how I help my clients, uh, mostly organizations who sponsor their employees. And you can find me on my website, uh, which is BeatrixAderCoaching.com or via LinkedIn. Sounds good. And I'll put the descriptions as well in our podcast so it'll be easier to find. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed this. I actually learned quite a bit about myself as well. So it's been uh, doubly helpful, I must say. I hope we will have other occasions to, uh, to chat. Anytime. I welcome it. <laughs> Thank you, Nick.